Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back together today. And again, what a blessing it is to be able to come together each day on Search the Scriptures and dig deep into God's Word. How blessed we are to have the Bible. You know, we take so much for granted in this country. We have so much freedom. We have so much abundance of resources and it's not just the idea of natural resources, but we have so much abundance of resources as far as information is concerned and the freedom to take advantage of those resources. And one of the greatest, no, let me rephrase that, the greatest of all resources that we have at our disposal is the Bible, God's Word. It is the book with the greatest wisdom, with the greatest knowledge, with the greatest direction, that gives us the greatest hope and offers us the greatest blessing, eternal salvation, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have that all and we have it freely and we have, we have the opportunity to discuss it openly without fear of anybody saying, you do that and you're going to get arrested or you do that and we're going to beat you up. Now, we've got total freedom to study and teach and discuss God's Word openly. And that's what we do here on Search the Scriptures. Now, I say that because it's not that way everywhere in the world. There are tremendous restrictions in some countries in this world, even today in these modern times. There are places where people can be arrested for teaching the Bible openly. Or maybe in some cases, if they're simply discovered having a Bible and reading it privately even, they might get in trouble. They might be arrested, might be put into jail. We have all of that freedom right here. And again, it's the greatest of all resources. How unfortunate that so many people read the Bible so infrequently. Hmm. Ironic, isn't it? We have the greatest freedom to be able to do that, perhaps, and yet we take advantage of that freedom so infrequently. Well, we need to correct that. And we try to get the Bible, the teachings of God's Word across in depth and in detail and try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. Trying to help you realize how rich the teachings of God's Word are. How rich. And as people come to understand the Bible, oh, they get excited over those teachings. We want to help you catch that excitement. We want to help you come closer to God by learning his word more accurately and more fully. And as that happens, your faith in him should be growing and you should be coming closer to him. And ultimately, our prayer is that you're going to come to him through Jesus Christ for salvation, for forgiveness, for redemption, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. Coming into him at that in that act of obedience and coming up out of that watery grave, reborn spiritually, and beginning to walk a new life, a new life in Christ, and headed toward heaven. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are for you. 
At the end of the program today, as we always do, we'll give you the information by which you can contact us and ask for a free Bible study that we always offer. It's been sent all across this country, backwards and forwards, and continues to be so. It can really help you learn how to walk with God and how to be assured of eternal life with him. The study is free. We always offer it for free. And we'll even take care of the, of the, of the postage. All you have to do is request it. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD. And again, it's free, and we'll take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and you can jot down that information, how you can contact us at the end of the program today. And then we'd love to hear from you. Well, we're going to conclude our study that we've been going over through the previous several programs, asking the question, what should we do? Now, that question could be applied to all kinds of scenarios, but we've been focusing particularly on what should we do in the face of criticism. And I guess especially in the face of unjust criticism. And we've talked about how we need to stop and examine ourselves and make sure that we're not guilty of whatever it is that we've been criticized for. That can be a painful exercise. But the Apostle Paul tells us to examine ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. And that is an exercise that we need to take up on an ongoing basis. We need to do that regularly. Am I guilty of whatever or did I do whatever I've been criticized for? But even if we conclude that the basis for the criticism is unjust and it's simply somebody trying to cut us up, tear us down, hurt us in some way, destroy our reputation, get us fired, whatever it is, we need to stop and ask ourselves next, okay, how do I respond to that? And we've looked at Paul, the Apostle Paul's writing, in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. And he lays out a number of guidelines pointers that can help us in responding to all kinds of situations that confront us in life, criticism, unjust criticism being among them. Well, he says, do not set your mind on high things. Don't be high-minded, seeking prestige and glory. Don't be a snob. Associate with the humble. Don't act like you're above other people. Make friends with, be kind toward, associate with those of more humble means than yourself. And you display proper humility and demeanor and character as a Christian. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't be conceited. Oh, that's ugly. Conceit is so ugly. Don't get carried away with your self and your sense of self-importance. Repay no one evil for evil. Don't seek revenge. Don't try to hurt the person who hurt you. And again, this takes courage and strength and practice. Self-discipline. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. 
Well, again, not everybody will allow you to live peaceably with them, but don't be the instigator. Don't be provocative. Don't be the one who lets anger take you over and then lead you into wrath. But diffuse the explosiveness of wrath by dismantling the bomb of anger. Pursue peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God. Matthew 5 and verse 9. And the Hebrews writer says, pursue peace. That's an active pursuit. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't get sucked in to the ungodliness of your detractor or the ungodliness of anybody who might be confronting you with unjustness or sinfulness or simply ungodly or worldly behavior. Don't let them draw you into their lifestyle. But instead, be the example. You might even win your ungodly adversary over to righteousness by his looking at you or her looking at you and realizing that they look small compared to you because they're acting so mean, so ugly, and you're trying to be godly in front of them. Not in an arrogant kind of way, but you're, you're trying to maintain your character, and especially so as a Christian. Do not avenge yourselves. Let God take care of settling the score, any score that needs settling. He's your best bodyguard. He's your biggest friend. Now, let's wrap it all up. Respond properly and respectably. Display godly character in the way you respond to whatever the situation might be. Now, we're talking about being criticized in particular. But whatever the situation might be, respond properly. Respond respectably. Remember who you are, if you're a Christian especially. Display godly character in the way you respond. In Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 17, we find two of the apostles shortly after Jesus had been crucified, arose from the grave, and ascended back to heaven. The church had recently been established after he ascended to heaven. Peter had been the preacher whose words were highlighted in the text in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 4, we find Peter and another apostle, John, and they're still in Jerusalem, and they have been teaching a multitude of people the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing to have been doing, for them to have been doing. What a wonderful endeavor to try to teach people how to come to salvation through Jesus Christ. Oh, but they had detractors. They had enemies, the same enemies that had confronted Jesus Christ and ultimately led to his going to the cross. And these would have been a number of the Jewish officials, the high priest being included among them. And so they had Peter and John arrested for teaching the gospel, part of which was teaching the resurrection. 
They didn't believe in the resurrection. But certainly they didn't believe in Christianity anyway. In Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 17, we read the Jewish officials coming to a conclusion as to how they were going to deal with Peter and John on this occasion. And if you go back to verse 16, it says, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Now look at that. They admitted that a miracle had been done. If you go back to Acts chapter 3, God, through Peter, had healed a man who had been lame. And so they, they recognize, these Jewish officials, they say, indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And notice they said, and we cannot deny it. Well, if the text ended there, you might conclude that they probably were being converted themselves. <laughs> but not so. The text continues. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. They didn't want them to teach the gospel. They recognized that the miracle had been performed. They couldn't deny that. It was known among the people. But they did not want the gospel of Jesus Christ taught. And so they were going to threaten Peter and John. Warn them, you better not do this anymore. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now you think about the response of Peter and John to these Jewish officials. And remember, Peter and John were under arrest at that particular time. And they were told, don't do this anymore. Don't teach in the name of Jesus anymore. Peter and John spoke respectfully, but they did not compromise their faith in the process. Now, they did not spit in the face of those Jewish officials. They did not raise their fist, clenched, and warn them that they better not tell them what they, what they, want, what they could do and what they couldn't do. Oh, no. They didn't speak in anger. No indication of that. They spoke respectfully. They said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. <laughs> really, they put the, the monkey, so to speak, back on the, the Jewish officials. You want us to listen to you more than to listen to God? What we've been commissioned by God to do? Well, you make up your mind about that. But we cannot stop speaking about the things which we have seen and heard. And that was about Jesus Christ. They did not compromise their faith, but they maintained their integrity in the face of provocation. When we turn to Acts chapter 16, 
And we find the Apostle Paul and Barnabas having been put in jail for teaching the gospel. Now, Paul had cast a spirit of divination out of a young woman who is being used to make a profit by her masters. And she was apparently annoying and perhaps even distracting the teaching of Paul as he was teaching and preaching the people in general. But he was basically teaching the gospel. So they got arrested, Paul and Barnabas. Beginning with Acts chapter 16 and verse 35, we find when it was day. Now, let me say also that having been arrested, they were put into, in, in, into prison and they were beaten with many stripes. The next morning, the jailer, who, by the way, had become a Christian overnight with his family, having seen firsthand and heard the teaching of the gospel by Paul and Barnabas in that interim period. When it was day, the magistrate sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the officials, they sent word to the jailer telling him to let Paul and Barnabas go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. He was probably happy over it. Well, again, he had become a believer. He, was, he and his family were, were, were baptized during the night, having heard the gospel. They'd become Christians. And so he probably received this news to let them go with joy. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. That was a violation of Roman law. Paul and Barnabas were Roman citizens. And it was a violation to beat Roman citizens uncondemned. And now do they put us out secretly, Paul asks? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. They realized they had violated the Roman law themselves. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Well, Paul demanded the respect that was due him and Barnabas, but he did so with dignity. He didn't curse or call their accusers ugly names. He was an exemplary Christian in his conduct. He made his demands with dignity. He did not lower himself to ungodly behavior in response to what was unjustly done to them. He set the example. The best defense is a good offense. Living a life of exemplary Christian character will often refute 
unjust criticism more effectively than anything else that you can say. There's something about the power of a Christian example in the face of provocation. Boy, hard to explain, but it can work so effectively. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 12, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors as to those who are sent by them for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Wow. So by your good example, you can actually end up putting to silence and perhaps even winning over your detractors the unjust adversaries and the way they're acting before you. Paul wrote along this line in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as, as is my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine forth as lights in the world. In other words, you're the example that ultimately might change the lives of others who are acting ungodly in your presence and toward you. In Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 7, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, not just a good work here and there, not just a good deed now and then, but your life is a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Well, again, the best offense, or rather the best defense, is a good offense. Simply live the life of a faithful, dedicated, godly Christian in the face of the world around you. That influence will be powerful. It will speak volumes. And as we've read, it can end up shutting the mouths of your opponents. What should we do? We should be Christians. We should live the Christian life. We should be the examples to the world around us. God knows the world needs 
the example of Christianity. It really does. Let's be that example. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can learn how to live that Christian life, how to come to God through Jesus Christ. The study is free. Don't waste any time. Jot down the information and contact us right away. Won't you?